Hello there, and welcome to the ChannelBuzz.ca podcast. I'm Robert Dutt, editor of ChannelBuzz.ca, and as always, your host for the show. Uh, today, we're joined by one of our most frequent guests, Tony Anscombe, Chief Security Evangelist at ESET, to discuss cyber resiliency, what it is, why it's important, and what you need to know to help your customers keep their businesses running. Uh, we discuss what we mean when we say cyber resiliency, why it goes beyond keeping the IT stack up and running, some frameworks for figuring out what you need to include, and how to operationalize it all. Uh, we discuss why it's important to get customers C-suites to buy in, how to get them to buy in, and why it's a great adjacency for the services you're already offering today. It's a great conversation, so let's get right into it. My chat with ESET's Tony Anscombe. Oh, and uh, as an added bonus, if you want to watch the conversation instead of just listening, check out the link in the show notes for a YouTube video. Tony, thanks for taking the time as always. Oh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Rob. Um, so uh, when when we when I first think about resiliency in, in the cybersphere, I, I think of a malware. Well, specifically, I think of recovering after a ransomware attack because I think that's the the, the big headline grabber, the big trend, the big way things are going. Um, but more more generally, I think of obviously recovering after a cyber attack. But what else do we mean when we say cyber resiliency? Because that's that's a pretty big concept, especially as, as more and more businesses are digitally transforming themselves. Well, cyber resilience is is as you you know as you said it, it's it's slightly. I think our natural place is to think of it a cyber attack because that's what we read in the media and and such like. But however, what cyber resilience really means is your ability to recover from a cyber incident. Now, unfortunately, the word cyber incident also makes me jump to malware in my brain, Yeah, for some reason. Yeah. I think it probably does for you too. But um, a cyber incident, for example, could be a power outage. Uh, so if suddenly your server room lost power, you know, well, that's if people still have server rooms. But you get my point is, or your internet connection to where your servers are located somewhere in the cloud or or you're on, an on-premise Outlook server, if people still you know, still have one of those, and I know certainly know some people that do, if you lose connectivity, you lose power, or you lose the ability to operate your business from a cyber stroke digital perspective, then you need a cyber resilience plan. And the best example of it, actually, is right there in Toronto uh, when Rogers had the infamous outage back in the summer and turned off the internet for several days. I personally think that would have been wonderful for my <laughs> family, for no email for a couple of days. But, yeah, when I went to order my dinner that night and <laughs> no apps worked or whatever, or I couldn't get a takeout, then I may have started uh, getting frustrated. So, But I wonder how many companies since then have dusted off you know, pre-made plans or, or plans they didn't have, you know, started writing plans they didn't have. And I now probably understand cyber resilience is not just about malware. Mm. And that's, that, you know, when, when you talk from going from specific malware type attacks to power outages to random internet outages, there there's a lot of 
territory to cover there. And I think that's probably only the tip of the iceberg. It, it, it strikes me as one of those things where how do you how do you know what you don't know in terms of what you need to be worried about? How do you, is, is there a, a good framework out there for what you have to think about when putting these plans together? Or is it one of those kind of iterate and learn things? Well, there's, there's some great frameworks. And yeah, you know, as you say, it's, um, it's, it's about knowing what you don't know or, or having a, a picture. And uh, in fact, we recently ran a, a survey for small and medium businesses. And we specifically asked actually co companies in, in Canada whether they have a resilience plan and how confident they are that their cyber resilience plan would actually deliver uh, on what they think it would be. And, and you know, eight, so in Canada, 8% said they weren't confident at all. So, I mean, they're, um, but I think the big number here was only slightly confident or not confident adds up to 52%. Mm. So if we take it, that, that means over half of businesses in Canada are sitting there going, if something happens, I'm just not kind. <laughs> I've got this small amount of confidence that we, we will continue our business. And actually, that's why you then actually need to go and follow a framework because actually understanding what the what the assets are in the business to start with, so a cybersecurity audit to start with, uh, or a you know cyber stroke digital audit. So, hey, how do I, how does this system affect how my business operates? So what resiliency do I need for this particular system? Yeah, should should this stop working, how do I continue to to carry on? Um, so you need that audit of all the systems you run and all the all the all the assets that are within the business uh to start with. And then I'd follow a plan, and there's a there's quite a few of them out there. Uh NIST is probably one of the most common cybersecurity frameworks you hear of. Mm -hmm. But actually CISA in the US. Uh, have what I define as a cyber resilience kind of wizard plan. Uh, you're going to go through and it's going to ask you questions and it, it will walk you through what you need to be thinking of and what you need to do. So it will help you build that plan. Uh, and I and I know that's you know, not Canadian, but if somebody has a great tool somewhere that would help you, then I'd go leverage that tool uh, and use that. Use, what they've built. And I think they built it around the Shields Up campaign. And, you know, that when at the start of the year, we had that kind of greater threat of, you know, would cyber warfare spill over into society mm. um, with the conflict going on in Ukraine. But uh, that, I would say, is a fairly good place to start. If I was in a business and I didn't have a good cyber resilience plan or maybe didn't understand what it should contain, then that is actually what I'd go do is look for some help. And that that seems like territory, especially for, for VARDs and MSPs. A, a lot of that is going to be stuff that falls under their purview, under their management to begin with. There might be the need to, to add some additional ways of thinking, add some additional tools to the toolkit to make it happen. But that part certainly seems uh, accessible as the kind of service an, an MSP could bring to bear for those kinds of customers. Um, what what do you find works to get that conversation started? I mean, I, I guess there's there's sort of as as uh, as you point out, there is the uh, so you've thought about malware, but uh, remember back a few months ago when we had that whole internet outage thing. Remember that? Uh, are, are you ready for the next time that happens? I, I guess that's a starting point. But what else do you find are good good starting points for for VARs or MSPs to make sure, especially smaller customers are 
are aware of these issues and are uh, are thinking about them and hopefully engaging them to uh, address it. Well, firstly, you're absolutely right. I believe this is a service or, or a conversation for an MSP or, or a, uh, you know, a, a, a good reseller VADA have with the end customer because it also shows that you're not you're not just interested in selling the service that you know you run in with every day and, and operate, but that actually you're trying to help them make sure their business is secure going forwards. And in fact, one of the other stats that in that survey we ran was about cyber audits. Uh, and I, I don't think this number was specifically for Canada. I could dig that out, but um, over half had, hadn't run a uh, cyber audit in the last 12 months. So, so you know, if you don't know what assets and systems you're using, then it's going to be really tough to build a cyber resilience plan. Right. So I think a, a service from the channel doing that would be super important. But where would I start? I mean, the natural point of contact typically within a business is going to be the IT guy. So if you've got a small business with 30, 50 people, uh, the, the MSP is probably talking to what I define as the all-hands IT guy. Yep. And when I say that, he, you know, one minute he's looking at a printer, the next the next thing he's looking at cybersecurity, and then 10 minutes after that he's doing something just as complex somewhere else in the organisation. Uh-huh. Um, I don't believe the conversation starts there. I actually believe the conversation starts with the CEO or a C-level person. So somebody at the top of the organization, the founder of the business or whoever it is, because that's the person that ultimately understands their business needs to continue to operate because they're not only responsible for the IT, but they're also responsible to their customers. Mm. They're, they're responsible for the revenue of the business. And these things are all intrinsically linked because this isn't about, you know, can I adopt, you know, this is not about keeping systems going. This is about, what happens if this goes down? Can I switch to a paper method? Are mm. there other systems? Yeah. Could I use a manual process to do this? You know, could I, if I was in a small health practice, could I book patients in manually? You know, do we have a paper backup of the patient record? Do we, you know, there's so many different ways that you could look at cyber resilience. And of course, the word cyber then starts to sound wrong, doesn't it? Because I'm talking <laughs> about manual processes. But. Well, that's the point, isn't it? Is how how else do you go and keep the business running? It, it is sort of business resilience with a with a tint towards the technology side of things. But in an era when everyone likes to say they're a technology company, whether they're a technology company or not, that's it, it's pretty important to have that tech up and running. Um, so so you do you do the audit, kind of define what needs to be protected, what the priorities are, what the risks are, and then I guess you operate operationalize based on that and and kind of make sure that those plan Bs and plan Cs are in place and and hopefully not interdependent on each other. Once you understand you know what pro, uh, you know, what what is critical to the business, then it's about you know following a certain thing. So hey, you've got the processes written down and it's then mm-hmm. thinking about, a prediction of what might happen and you know you and i being in the cybersecurity industry rob i mean we're probably really gloomy and dismal people when <laughs> we start thinking about what could happen um, assume the worst be pleasantly surprised when things go right exactly uh, um yeah and uh yeah and then it's thinking about how if you can predict that something might happen how best to protect against it happening so yeah that might be having two internet connect, uh, connections, but not to the same provider. I hasten to add to different providers. Or, you know, uh, you know, there's lots of ways that you then start protecting and building resilience into the network. So it's a mindset. That's the other important thing in here. And then it's also the ability to detect something 
that something is happening because it's no good understanding four hours, three hours, or whatever it might be after something mm -hmm. has gone wrong that it went wrong. You want, you need to know quickly that something goes wrong so you can actually implement the plan and get everything rolling. And then it's how you respond. So, yeah, is the response that you switch over a system, you do something different, or maybe you go to a manual process, as we talked about. And then there's that recovery phase. So once things start coming back online, how do you then adapt back into what it, how you were working before? Yeah, is there a need to go back and, and change the process again? But also part of that recovery phase, it should be the learning mm -hmm. that you've just taken from the incident that happened and you build that back into the, the process and you, you improve it. And one of the things that I think a lot of people challenge with is, you know, you can run a tabletop exercise, which is a great thing to do. And I strongly recommend, you know, once you've got a, a resilience plan in place, actually test it. Yeah, make sure that you understand how it works. Mm -hmm. um, making sure you've got the right people around the table. Making sure you've got a contact list and you know how to get hold of these people. <laughs> yeah, we laugh, but you know, if if it's on a Sunday night, do you yeah. know where your comms person is? Yeah, and if your comms person is critical to inform your customers or, or, or whatever it might be, I'm just saying that that you need to be on top of on top of every part of it, make sure people have got the right admin rights or that they can get assigned those admin rights in that emergency. Make sure your MSP or your VAR has a 24 by 7 contact point, et cetera. So, so make sure all these people are, are in the loop. But it, it's then changing the process, that, that whole recovery of going back, taking the feedback from the tabletop exercise or a real incident and building it then back into the plan. So cyber resi resilience in my mind, is not a one and done. Mm. Yeah, this is not something you go, oh, yeah, I've got the plan. We did that four years ago. It's on the shelf over there in that folder. This is something you need to go look at on a really frequent basis. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't It doesn't sound like something that is uh, <laughs> that, set in stone. Is, is there sort of a set frequency to how often one should be revisiting this? And, uh, I mean, obvious. Obviously, in, in worst case, it gets revisited in a post-mortem kind of way, but in, in terms of proactively updating and, and making sure you're on top of things, what kind of a cadence generally works, gets the best results without stepping too much on uh, the business going about the business? Well, firstly, if anything significant changes, I just say you're in a digital transformation project or you're shifting you know, maybe from one CRM system to another, mm -hmm. then... Yeah, if you've got a significant project, you should always go back and make sure that you've built in the right resilience around that project and did that have dependencies on other parts of the resilience plan, et cetera. So if there's a significant change, always go back and refresh it. But I think I would try and run um, some form of exercise, maybe every – even a minor exercise, maybe every six months, because mm. if, if you don't run them frequently enough, then people – you know, unfortunately, we're, we're human, aren't we? We start forgetting things and we start forgetting, you know, yeah. what parts of the plan you need to look at, et cetera. So I would personally run it a tabletop exercise every six months, which I think would force you to at least revise and go and look at the plan. The other important part of this as well is, you know, what happens if you then start doing business with somebody outside mm. um, the company? So you've got a, a contract agreement with a company outside. You know, what's their resilience plan? Yeah, are they part? Do they need to be part of your resilience plan? Mm. But more importantly, do they have the same attitude and mentality to it? 
that you have. Yeah, and I always think back, Rob. So, so I may have mentioned to you, I think, in other other episodes of our podcasts of, you know, I worked for a bank mm -hmm. twenty five years ago. Cyber, we had a complete resilient disaster recovery site, and that disaster recovery site um, was underground. It was four four layers underground, and yeah. it was a mile from our office. Now these days, it could be twenty miles from the office because connectivity yeah. and all that. But twenty five years ago, a mile was quite a long way. You know, once a week we powered it up. Yeah, once a week, a couple of us went over there, powered everything up, make sure it worked. And twice a day, our backups went there right. in a van. So I'm just saying that cyber resilience is not new. There was a yeah. lot of cyber resilience going on back then, and you had to think of everything. So if a dealing room, if a dealing room network goes down, yeah. you know, that starts costing millions of dollars immediately. Well, and the, the the good news, I guess, for uh, for MSPs is uh, the vast majority of, of MSPs and even VARs, I think, at this point, or folks who might identify more as VARs, um, is is that at least from a, a data point of view, um, a lot of them kind of have this the the backup and and recovery kind of muscle memory already built. It's just a matter, I suppose, of of starting to build the the muscle memory, the organizational insight around the rest of this picture beyond sort of the core, making sure the data is backed up and accessible should it become corrupted so, or offline or whatever it may be. So I recently had um, the wonderful opportunity of meeting a, a group of uh, MSPs in Australia. Mm -hmm and giving them a, a small presentation. And in, in conversation, I, I would say it was less about me presenting it. It was more, I, I would define it more as a workshop discussion. Mm -hmm. um, three of them in the room, uh, and maybe there was 25 or so in the room, but three of them in the room admitted that they'd had a customer that had paid a ransomware demand. Now, firstly, <laughs> for their honesty, because you know, not, everybody yeah. wants to, not everybody wants to no. put their hand up and, and state this, um, but all th what shocked me was not that three of them did admit it. It was actually the three of them, when questioned slightly further, of why did they pay, all said the same thing. And it was like, hang on a minute, this is really fundamental. The customer couldn't restore from a backup. Man. <laughs> and it's like, guys, this is this is one this is one oh one, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. I remember all those nasty tapes that we used to continually put in these machines twenty five years ago. It's become easier now, hasn't it? Yeah, it, it's yeah more automated. So I'm just saying that you know, make sure backups has to be part of the plan, and, and just make sure you've tested that you can actually restore from it. <laughs> Always important. Um, so if, if I'm an MSP, getting the attention of, especially when you talk about getting the attention of the C-level type, getting buy-in from the top of the organization, um, I, I guess there's sort of an easy button attached to that in that one can generally find a headline, whether that's our, our good friends in the comm sphere here in Canada or uh, or a, a high-profile malware attack. Um, but what what kind of works to to get the attention of the C-suite when there isn't that headline piece, when that's when you're going in to, uh, to have the conversation? Well, I think you've also got the other challenge there of it won't happen to me. You know, we're, a, <laughs> we're a small business. Why would right. we be a target? Yeah, and everybody needs to understand this is a when, not an if, regardless of the size of your business. And if yeah. 
bigger enterprises start protecting in different ways or governments make it difficult for cyber criminals to be paid by you know more significant in enterprises or cyber insurers make it difficult then cyber criminals will start coming down the chain they'll feed start feeding off of the the lower tier businesses and i think to a certain degree we're already seeing some of that but if this if there's not this is um this is about a conversation it's about how you know, what would the effect be on your customers and how would you recover from reputa a reputation issue if you could not do business for the next 24 hours, 48 hours, or whatever that part-time period might be. Um, and I think, my, I think I'm fairly safe in saying, I think if you had that conversation with a CEO, I think that you need somebody with the overarching picture of, you know, I'm responsible to pay our employees. I'm responsible for the revenue. I'm responsible for the mm -hmm. service we deliver for our customer, which is why I think this is not a conversation in the IT department. Right. Unless you've got somebody in the IT department that is business-focused. And as you and I both know, unfortunately, that doesn't always go hand in hand. You know, a lot of IT people are, are often somewhat arm's length to the business. Well, it's especially I think in the small business space where mm. where there isn't necessarily a, a CIO. There's the 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 individual you identified earlier who's uh, who's doing the printer and doing the ads, moves and changes, and probably managing the phone system and uh, maybe a few other things as well. He's probably doing the door passes as well and all sorts of stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, never ending, isn't it? <laughs> probably responsible for the HVAC system. And yeah, and, and by the way, could you also take on, uh, you know, addressing that making sure that the business can be available and accessible come what may, may seem like a little bit of a, a big item to add on to that person's plate. Yeah, I mean, good examples that, yeah, there's always good examples around, Rob. I mean, you know, last week you had, uh, oh, in fact, the, the several, several over the last month, you've had hurricanes hit Florida. Yep. Yeah. You need to get out a cyber resilience plan if you're a business in Florida. Uh, so it's a weather event. So I'm just saying it doesn't actually need to be a telecommunications outage or it doesn't need to be a power outage or, or, a, or a malware attack. You can point to a weather incident somewhere in the world and turn and say, yeah. how do you think businesses there ran during that weather incident? Um, so so I'm, I'm just pointing out, I think there's always some way of relating it to something happening somewhere in the world something that's current enough to get the get the attention if just the general idea of by the way do you want your business to keep running use something that's currently happening to to make that leverage it's a simple phone call isn't it is mm -hmm. hey i just want to check with you check in with you that you know you're prepared for the online onslaught of orders that you might get and you've thought about the resilience in you know what happens if some of the systems go down Right. Yeah, suddenly you'll have the attention of some C-level person going, well, that's a good point. We need to make sure we're not going to lose out on the on the day people are spending their money. It, it, it's simple conversations like that, I think, using those timely points. All right, brilliant. Tony, as always, appreciate your, your taking the time to talk through, uh, talk through all of this. Uh, I'm going to go and uh, investigate getting a backup ISP, just in case, not saying, but just in case. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I, I, well, think about it. I, you probably already have one. You can use data on your phone, that and you, as, yeah, as long as your phone provider is not your, not your um, cable provider or your your fiber provider, then you're probably in a good spot.
And and with the diversity of network providers we have available here in Canada, that's not an issue at all. Yeah, yeah that's a different issue, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's another topic for another day. As always, appreciate the time. Oh, pleasure. As always, Rob. There you have it, thinking about cyber resiliency with ESET's Tony Anscombe. I'd like to thank Tony for once again gracing us with his wisdom. Thank ESET Canada for their continuing support of the site. And of course, thank you for listening today. Uh, the ChannelBuzz.ca podcast will be back later next week as we're joined by Cisco Canada Channel Chief Zach Dixon for the New Year's podcast series to take a look at Cisco's highlights in 2022 and where he sees the business going this year. Between now and then, a key part of your resiliency strategy should be subscribing to the show in the podcast app of your choice. And if you've already got that covered, maybe a great next step would be to leave a rating and a short review. It certainly would help our resiliency strategy. All right, enough with the bad jokes. Until next time, I'm Robert Dutt for ChannelBuzz.ca. Stay safe out there, and I'll see you around the channel. <laughs>